0: Chapter Three. The Apostle Peter. And Peter, Mark, Chapter Sixteen, Verse Seven. Peter. There is something about the very name of this impulsive, wayward, child-hearted man that awakens our interest at once. We know ourselves better when we know Peter thoroughly well. We study him and his failures and we grow discouraged for we say if a man who could be so near jesus christ as peter was who was with him in the home of jairus who was on the transfiguration mountain and in gethsemane if he could deny jesus then it is certain that we can also fail in the midst of this sinful and adulterous generation how carefully therefore we should walk we study him in his successes and we rejoice for we say if a man such as peter an uneducated and uncultured fisherman could become the preacher at Pentecost and the writer of the epistles, then there is hope for every one of us. There are many reasons why I like him, and I am sure that next to the Lord Jesus, of all the men whose names are mentioned in the New Testament, I long to see Peter. I like him because of his enthusiasm. He had an intensity about him that radiated through everything he did. If he was right, he was enthusiastically right, and if he was wrong, he was enthusiastically wrong. I like such a man. Some people will say that is what caused Peter much of his trouble, but I would say that the world does not owe much to its over-cautious people. If Martin Luther had been such a man, we would not have had a Reformation. It is generally true, that it is a bad thing for a person to have zeal without knowledge. But if we study the life of Peter, we agree with Mr. Moody when he says, If I had to choose between knowledge without zeal and zeal without knowledge, I would take the latter. I am sure that if a person is honest and sincere, God can take his zeal and make it work to his honor and glory. Peter was a brave man. I am sure some will say, What? A brave man! Did he not deny the Lord in the presence of a little girl when he said, I do not know him? Luke chapter 22, verse 57. And then the old habit of swearing came back upon him, and he denied him with an oath. Matthew chapter 26, verse 72. Yes, this is all true. But you must remember that Peter had courage enough to follow Jesus down into the presence of his enemies. And Peter was the only one of the disciples who was near his master in the courtroom. There are so many reasons why I like Him and why I have longed to see Him face to face. And Peter. These words, which form an angel's message to the broken-hearted disciples, present one of the sweetest pictures in the entire Bible. The crucifixion scene is over, the rocks have ceased their throbbing, and the crosses on the hillside are still. The text, is in the angel's message to the disciples who have gathered themselves together after the dark, dark day and are seeking to comfort each other. They had always imagined that the Master whom they had followed was to be the king of an earthly kingdom and that they would have positions of power. But now He had been crucified, and their hearts are nearly breaking within them. I can see them as they sit in that little upper room in Jerusalem. They say to each other, We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Luke chapter 24, verse 21. I am very sure that in this company of disciples who were gathered together in that upper room in Jerusalem, there was one who was not of their number. That man's name was Peter. He must have felt that he was no longer a disciple. And that he no longer had a right to the communion and fellowship of the saints. I can see him out on the edge of the city of Jerusalem in some dark, lonely place, far away from any eye to look upon him. Poor, broken hearted man. If Peter was not of the company of the disciples, I am sure of one thing, and that is, that the disciples must have been talking about him. Human nature has always been the same. We have a great way of remembering all about a person's failings and forgetting the strong points of their character. We remember only their weak points and completely forget their virtues. So I imagine these disciples were talking about Peter. I can hear one of them ask, Where's Peter? Then another man with a smile upon his face would say, Peter? You wouldn't expect him to be here, would you? Did you ever know Peter to be faithful to the end? Then they begin to point out the places of weakness, and one says, Do you remember the time Peter stepped out on the water? He began to walk toward Jesus, took a few steps very well, and then began to sink. Another man would say, That was just like Peter. He was always such a miserable failure in the end. Someone else would say, Do you remember when the Master was washing the disciples' feet and Peter jumped to his feet and said, Master, you will never wash my feet. Another man would say, He was always grieving the Master. But just as we recall these words, I would call your attention to the fact that Peter was the best-loved disciple. Jesus seemed to love him with the very tenderest affection. If they were gathered in the upper room and talking about Peter, there is another thing of which I am certain, and that is that he was the most completely disheartened man in all the city of the king. For this is certain, that once a man has been at the king's table and has tasted of the king's meat, you can no more expect him to find pleasure in the world than you can expect the prodigal to go back and try to live on husks and satisfy himself with the company of the swine the second time. So I can see him in the outskirts of Jerusalem. Poor Peter! If there is anyone in the world I pity, it is the one who stands like Peter of old, out of all communion with his blessed Lord but I hear him say, Well, I will go to the company of disciples. Possibly they might have a word of encouragement for me. So Peter turns and goes along the streets and through the city, and he comes to the little room and sees the place in the distance. Someone has pointed it out to him. Then all his courage fails him, and turning back again, he hurries along toward his old retreat. As he goes, he says, They wouldn't receive me. I am afraid to go to them. Just as he reaches the place of darkness, the despair again comes back and he says, If I stay here I will die, and so I will seek out the disciples. So he turns back again and reaches the stairway leading up to the room, and as he ascends, he drags his feet after him wearily. Poor Peter. He finally reaches the landing of the stairway. And just as he puts out his hand to take hold of the latch, he hears his name and his heart jumps. He hears them talking about him. Poor man. He doesn't realize they are speaking harsh words of criticism, but, emboldened because of the sound of his name, we find him pushing the door open, stepping across the threshold, and standing in the little room. The disciples lift their heads to see who the newcomer is, but they do not say a word. Peter stands looking and longing for a word to be spoken to him, and then he turns away to one of the couches in the room. Poor Peter! I have always imagined that when he entered that room, if one of the disciples had gone toward him and had taken his hand in his and said, Poor Peter, we have heard all about your denial, but we know you too well to think you meant it, and we give you our sympathy and help. I have always imagined that Peter would have fallen upon his face in that little room, and there would have been given to us one of the tenderest pictures in all the New Testament Scriptures. If there is ever a time when a person needs a word of sympathy, when he needs the warm clasp of the hand, it is when he has stepped for the first time out of communion with his Lord. Speak a comforting word to him then, and many other Peters might be brought back into the fellowship of our God. However, they did not speak to Peter, and so he turns away weary and almost broken hearted. Poor man! But suddenly they hear a crowd of people approaching, and then someone runs up the stairway, not like Peter a moment ago who dragged his feet wearily, but hardly seeming to touch the steps. Then the door is swung open, and it seems as if the sunlight has centered in the little room. For Mary is there; she has been over at the tomb of Jesus and has been talking with the angels. She has received the greatest message of all time, and as she springs into the company of the disciples, she calls out, "He is risen, just as he said, and he has gone over into Galilee and has sent word to his disciples to meet him." Matthew chapter twenty-eight verses six through seven. As soon as she uttered those words, the disciples spring to their feet rush toward the doors and head out through the city toward Galilee. They want to see the Master. All except Peter. Poor, broken-hearted man! He must have thought, Oh wretched man that I am! I am not included in the invitation. I am no longer a disciple. Just as Mary reaches the door, she turns her face back over her shoulder to see if all the disciples are gone, and she sees Peter Then, for the first time, she gives the invitation just as the angels had given it to her and as the Lord had given it to the angels. He is risen as He said, and He has gone over into Galilee, and He wants His disciples to meet Him. Go, tell His disciples and Peter. The message said and Peter. The only man's name mentioned was the name of the man who felt that he was no longer a disciple. The only one who had the special invitation was the poor fellow who felt himself out of communion and out of fellowship. I want to say to you that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. And he sends an invitation to every one of his children. If there is one to receive a special message, it is the man or woman out of communion or out of fellowship with Jesus Christ, and so I speak the words, And Peter. And Peter. Down in one of the southern churches, a minister had been preaching with great power a sermon on the plan of redemption in Jesus Christ. When the people were leaving, an old woman was walking side by side with one of the elders of the church, when he turned to her and said, Auntie, don't you think it is an astonishing thing that Jesus Christ would die for such poor sinners as you and me? And she thought for a moment, and then said, No, it doesn't seem to be an astonishing thing at all to me, because it is just like Him. Yes, it is just like Him. It is just like the Lord Jesus Christ to love us all But I am sure it is just like Him to love with a tender love, with the tenderest love, the man or woman out of communion, out of fellowship with Him. Out of Communion We have different names in different denominations to express or describe such a condition. Some call it backsliding. That is a good name if you can't get a better one. Sometimes we call it falling from grace, And I am very sure there is a better expression than that. Sometimes we say they are apostate, but that is in many cases unscriptural. To my mind, the best expression is out of communion. You know it takes the look of joy from your face. It takes the peace from your heart. It takes the power from your life. In the abiding chapter of John, John chapter 15, there is only one condition for bearing fruit you must abide in Him. There can be no real joy, peace, or power until the child of God is in close communion and sweet fellowship with the blessed Christ. And so, having the different words to describe the position, I would like to suggest some things that lead us to stand in the position of Peter. Temperament It is sometimes due to one's natural temperament. There are people in the world with whom it is just as natural to be joyful as it is for the lark to sing as it mounts up into the sky. Mr. Moody tells about a man who was a member of his church, and you could never get him to say anything except, Praise the Lord. He might have darkness around him, but he would praise the Lord for darkness. Mr. Moody says that one day he came into the meeting and he had earlier cut his thumb. He had almost Cut it off, and they wondered what he could have to say with such an affliction as that. He just stood on his feet and said, I cut my thumb this morning, but praise the Lord I didn't cut it off. It is just as natural for some people to be joyful as it is for the birds to sing. There are other people in the world with whom it is just as natural to look on the dark side of things. They are always complaining and thinking that everything in the world is wrong. But the fact is that they are wrong themselves it is their natural temperament if there is a sunbeam in the sky they will take great pleasure in seeing the cloud even if it is no larger than a man's hand first kings chapter 18 verse 44 this reminds me of the old college professor out west who could not find anything to be right no matter how sweetly the birds would sing they could sing better One morning, one of the professors passed him on the campus and said, Now, professor, what is the matter with this day? You have never heard the birds sing sweeter. You have never seen the sky so bright. And just look at the sun. Isn't it shining wonderfully? The old professor looked around, hoping he could find a fault somewhere. And when he had failed entirely, he turned and said with a sigh, Young man, this weather can't last always, you know. Such people as that are always groaning, sighing, and complaining. They say the ministers are wrong, the church people are wrong, and the world is going to destruction. The fact is that they are wrong themselves. As Dr. Talmage says, they are looking at the world through the wrong kind of eyeglasses. They are looking through blue lenses when they should be looking through clear lenses. It is just their temperament. If that is your position, you will get out of communion immediately. You will lose your grip on God and your power with people. Disease. Sometimes we find people getting out of communion with Jesus Christ because of disease. The connection between the spiritual and physical is very close and intimate. Sometimes it is because the body is weak that we find the faith growing weak. Yet thanks be to God it is possible to have a very weak body and a triumphant faith. I am sure you know such people as that. But, my friend, if your body is weak, I am sure you will have to fight if you are going to win the victory. There was a myth given to us that when God first made the birds, He made them without wings. They were beautiful, but they had no wings and could not sing. Then the old myth tells us that God made them wings and told them to fly. And the little birds over all paradise began to move their wings and rise up from the earth. As they began to fly, they began to sing, and the higher they rose, the sweeter they sang, and they have been flying and singing ever since. Thanks be unto God that all Christian men and women have wings, wings of hope and wings of faith, and we are not required to live in this world, but we may dwell in the heavenlies with the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. One of my friends told me that one morning he stood on one of the highest peaks of the Rocky Mountains, bathed in the perfect sunlight of a perfect day. He looked down at his feet, and a storm was raging in the valley. The clouds were so heavy that he almost felt as if he could step out and walk from peak to peak, and he could almost hear the roar of the thunder and see the flash of lightning for there was a tremendous storm raging in the valley. As he was looking down, suddenly a dark figure rose up from the dark clouds. He looked again, and looked still a third time, and realized that the great black object was a rocky mountain eagle measuring seven feet from tip to tip of its wings. As I looked, he said, the eagle mounted higher and higher, clear above the clouds, fighting its way through the storm, it soared high above my head, every feather wet with the raindrops and every raindrop sparkling like a jewel in the sunlight. I stood watching it until it was lost in the very face of the sun. This is a picture of the Christian rising above the things of the world. I will give you a verse of Scripture to prove it. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not get tired they will walk and not become weary Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 You may have a temperament ever so miserable and you may have a body ever so weak but you may dwell in the secret place and never get out of communion and fellowship Trial I think there are more people out of communion with Christ because of trial than for any other reason I could never understand how Christians could step out of fellowship with Christ because of their afflictions. Listen, friends, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6. I am very sure that we were never nearer heaven in our lives than one evening just as we reached our new home in Philadelphia. We were in one of the hotels, and my wife held in her arms our first-born boy, and he was dead. He was just a little fellow Not even a year old, yet without an hour's warning, he had left us. We thought he was perfectly well, but God took him. I remember how we stood there before this little lifeless form, and we thought our hearts were breaking. But as the tears fell down our cheeks, they became like telescopes, and heaven was never nearer, or God nearer, than with his hand upon us in the weight of affliction how could you stay out of fellowship with God when He has just put His hand upon you in love? If that is the reason why you are out of fellowship, step back again into the light! I had the pleasure of laboring with Mr. Moody in the campaign in Chicago, and one of the greatest pleasures, besides the fellowship with him, was meeting such great leaders as Dr. A. C. Dixon and John McNeil. Dr. Wharton especially made his way into my heart, He is one of the great evangelists of the Baptist church, as well as one of the most successful pastors. He was telling me about Todd Hall, a friend of his in Baltimore. He is a detective. For years, he was a very sinful man. One time, when Mr. Moody was conducting meetings, Todd Hall was appointed to arrest a certain man, and as he was looking for him, someone said, Todd, the man's gone down into the Moody meeting. So Mr. Hall went to where the meetings were held, and as he entered, the usher said, Yes, he's in the building, but he is way down near the front. They ushered Todd Hall down the center aisle, and just as he walked down the aisle, something the preacher said went like an arrow to his heart. He sat down and listened. When the service was over, the people left. The man whom he was to arrest went with them, but Todd Hall never saw him. He had been arrested by the power of God, and as he sat in the hall, one of the ushers came up to him and said, What do you think of Moody? Oh, he said, I wish I could be a Christian. The usher said, Kneel down and I will pray with you. And they prayed right there in the great building, when it was almost deserted, and he became a Christian. He went home and told his wife, and she said, Todd, I will go with you into the church. And their little daughter said she would go too. And the three joined the church, and Todd became a preacher as well as being a detective. When I went back to Baltimore some time ago, said Dr. Wharton, one of the first friends to meet me said, Todd Hall's little girl is dead. And I said, Has it hurt Todd any? Has it affected his power? And he said, Oh, you should see him and hear him now. When the doctor said, Mr. Hall, your little girl is dying, he just knelt down and said, Dear blessed God, you gave her to me, and you have loved her, and you have saved her. Now I give her back to you. The doctor said, Mr. Hall, she is dying. And he, holding her hand and looking up, began to sing, Bear her away on your snowy wings to her eternal home. And she was gone. Todd Hall never knew what it was to preach before. He never knew what it was to work before. He just rose from his knees and came out from his affliction transfigured by the power of God, and I want to say to any who are out of communion with God because of trials that you don't know God. That is all. He is speaking in the tenderest words, and Peter, and Peter. Two Men Elijah There are two men I would like to present to you as providing perfect illustrations of the text. The first man is Elijah. You know he was one time up on a mountaintop, and he prayed to God and God sent a fire from heaven. Another time he locked up the heavens and held the key, and when he got ready to unlock them, they came down in great showers of blessing. Another picture is Elijah under the juniper tree, when he said, Enough! Now, Lord, take my life, First Kings chapter nineteen, verse four. Suppose God had said, "Well, Elijah, you can die if you want to." They would have buried him in the desert, and the moaning winds would have been his only elegy. However, you know that God had something better for Elijah. You have been saying sometimes, "My prayer has not been answered. Yes, it has. God said no, and no." Was better. What was Elijah's difficulty? The first thing was that he had had a mountaintop experience, and now he has come to the valley. Some people say, I am so glad to have you say that. A woman wrote a letter to me from Lafayette the other day and said, Nothing ever gave me more encouragement than to have you say that Elijah was up and down. Some other people say, That is the way I live. You do not need to live that way. There was a man who went up on the mountaintop. He was transfigured. His face shone as the sun, his garments were bright with light. He came down into the valley and brought the mountaintop experience with him. This is what you may do. Just bring the mountaintop experience down with you and you may rejoice, even though there is darkness all around you. The second trouble with Elijah, was that he looked away from God and to his surroundings, and that is fatal. You hear a great deal about the world getting better. I would like to have you travel around the country a little bit and see if the world is getting better. Study your own city, if you will, and I imagine that you will find things going on today that your fathers would not have permitted twenty-five years ago. There isn't a man in the world who could preach and keep his faith if he looked down. There is only one thing to do, and that is to keep your eyes turned upward. Consider the man who was teaching his little boy to climb up the mast of a ship for the first time. He was halfway up when he looked down and started to lose his balance. He was about to fall, but the father took his speaking trumpet and shouted, Keep your eyes upward, and then the boy climbed to the top of the mast and came down in safety. We have to keep our eyes turned upward, Oh that we might center our eyes and faith on Him who is our only hope! Keep your eyes up, and you won't get out of communion. Peter The other man's name was Peter. There were several reasons why he got out of communion. He became self-confident. I can just imagine Peter as he stepped out of the boat, trying to walk along. He thinks, Don't you wish you could walk on the water? And then, just as he took his eyes away from Jesus Christ and began to think he was somebody, he went down. Only just get your mind made up that you are somebody, and God will prove to you that you don't amount to very much. In my experience, I have found that to be so. I never made up my mind over any effort of mine and said, Wasn't that splendid? That God didn't bring me down with a dreadful thud. Paul had it right when he said, when I am weak then I am strong. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10. Why? Because when he was weak he just leaned hard on God. I believe there is nothing today that God could not do with you and me if we just realized we were nothing and then let him use us. The second trouble with Peter was that he followed Jesus Christ at a distance. Matthew chapter 26 verse 58. That is often the trouble with us too. You never had much trouble when you were faithful to the church, when you were going twice on Sunday and to the prayer meeting. You didn't get out of communion then. It was when you began to stay away from the midweek service, when one service on Sunday was good enough for you, and when you stayed at home and read the Sunday newspaper, and sometimes worse. Then you got out of communion and you said, The minister isn't as interesting as he used to be, and somehow we need another evangelist. The trouble isn't with the minister, and you don't need another evangelist. You need your own heart right, and you need to get back where you were five years ago. John McNeil says we should never sing this hymn except in a graveyard, in a kind of mournful tune. Where is the joy that once I knew, when first I loved the Lord? McNeil says, It's right where you left it and if you want it again, go back to where you left it and pick it up. Live right and live as near to Jesus Christ as when you first knew Him, and you will have no trouble getting in close communion with Him, and you won't care whether the minister is right or wrong, for you will be right. You won't be bothered about the church, for you will be all right yourself because you are in Christ. May God help you to live there. Then there is another thing. Peter got into bad company. That is the reason I am opposed to the church being mixed up with the world. We have not only the name, but also the reputation of Jesus Christ at stake. We have no business to be with bad company. An old Scottish woman had it about right when she said, Peter had no business being among those who did not follow Christ. And we haven't. If we are, we will find ourselves denying Jesus Christ. You didn't mean to do it. You just went along with your company. May God help us to keep in close touch with Jesus Christ. Just a word in closing. If you look through the Bible, you will not find a harsh word for the backslider. Look through the prophets and the lamentations of Jeremiah. It is return, 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 turn to the New Testament and read the story of the prodigal son. You may use it as an illustration for the unsaved person, but I have an idea that the story of the prodigal son was written in part for the person who once knew God and has once been in the father's house and then went off to live with swine. The father of the prodigal is God, looking through the telescope of his love, waiting for his child to come home. There are just two words in all the Bible for someone who is a backslider, and the two words are these, Come back, come back. One of the last Sundays I spent at the Bethany Sunday School in Philadelphia, an Englishman was there and spoke to the students. He sat down and told me this story. A young girl had run away from home and was living a life of sin, and her mother wanted my friend to help her find her daughter. He said, Go home, and bring me every picture you have of yourself and I will find her. She brought them to him, and he just dipped his pen in the ink and wrote down beneath the sweet face these words, Come back. Then he took those pictures down into the stomping grounds of sin and the mission stations and left them there. Not long after, this daughter was going into a place of sin and there she saw the face of her mother. The tears ran down her face so that at first she could not see the words beneath, but she brushed away the tears and looked, and there they were. Come back. She went out to her old home at the edge of London, and when she put her hand on the latch, the door was open. When she stepped in, her mother put her arms around her and said, My dear child, the door has never been locked since you went away. And that is true for you in regard to God, The door has never been closed since you went away. It is wide open. I lift up before you today a face sweeter than any mother's face. The prophets tried to tell you about it, and they said he is fairer than the sons of men and altogether lovely. Psalm 45, verse 2, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. Just below that face, I write the words, Come back. Go tell his disciples and peter mark chapter 16 verse 7 will you come may god grant it